We're just gonna replace it entirely. Alright. Uh, I can't see why levels. Hello, can you hear me? I mean, your, your bike's way up here, so it's gonna be a little bit hard. Uh, but these are way anymore. up there. <laughs> Shit. Was this cord already fucked up? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, that cord was already fucked up. Alright, well then. The shiitake of the bull. Hi. The. It's really low. The shiitake, you say? Like the mushroom? What's that over there? Hello, 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 hello. No, I don't want to open that. Does it sound like sound? Darwin first did the eminent service of arousing suspicion to the probability of all change in the inorganic world. Alright. I started recording you know, somewhere around the 52nd mark. That shit's muscle memory. Because if I were to try to say that again right now, I would have no fucking clue what I just said. But it's from a song... And they it opens up with the intro about evolution, and I could like every now and then it's just like boop, 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 and I could just spit it out. But when I actually think about it, no go. Are we we're good? Oh yeah, no, we're on. We're recording. Things are moving. Hello. We've shut. The we're door. a little bit crammed. I might need to move the camera. You know, I haven't thought about this since I was a kid, but I might need a phone book. A phone book for what? To sit on. Let me see if this has one of those awesomey yeah. things. You got one right there. Oh, oh. Come on. Come on. Did it do anything? Am I higher? Can you see me? Hello. Gotta go way further back. Yep. No, it's not gonna catch me at all. I'm doing this upside down and backwards. Yeah, you are. This is weird. More. Uh, I'm gonna have to fucking get rid of that. Nope. We're just gonna put it back up here. We're gonna be we're gonna be floating heads. That's right. Um. Well, that. Yeah. I was gonna say you can just tilt it. Oh, that's our logo. I was like, what yeah, the you want to grab? No, nah, I don't need no head. It's cool. It's cool. We can say that this is the. Um, uh, uh, you can announce me by like my full name and then the last four digits of my social security number, but say that the logo's covering my face for privacy concerns. Dodge. Seven, <coughs> seven, seven, seven. Whoa, whoa! You've been in my financial documents lately. Huh? Your gold. You guessing gold. pretty exact. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was three minutes of keys to the future. Cut bullshit. Need to find my center. And so, how was everybody's uh, rain last night? Man, it was wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he was saying. Spin your fucking chair this way. I mean, don't Spinning. tell me that's the wrong answer. That's no, very clearly was, how it was. Laying in bed at like four in the morning because that's when the lightning woke me up, and I was trying to think of 
what the fuck Ian was going to say this morning. <laughs> and, like, I was like, I've got my waders on, I've got my boogie board, so I'm coming in hot today or something. Like, I could never get it down just right. But I hope that he had something. And for, like, a short little clip, like, he can just send us a video of his little, just little intro. Because it would be pretty fantastic, I'm sure. I'd hope it would be. I mean, uh, yeah. He always has the best cold intros. Yeah. That stop me dead in my tracks. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I brought my water wings and my lifesavers. It's going to get sweet today, guys. <laughs> Something just... along those lines. <laughs> we can't do it like Ian. If Ian could get a job writing... <laughs> you know when you're on Tinder... And, like, you go to message someone, and it gives you that little thing that's like, say something funny, or try to be clever. Like, Ian could write the flavor text for dating apps, and it wouldn't matter if anything he said actually made sense, because it would be quirky and manic. But, like, not in a pixie dream girl kind of way. You like, like penguins and you drink milk? Oh, my God. Right, like the guy drinking just a cup of whipped cream in line at the <laughs> bank that he doesn't have an account with. <laughs> That's right. It's Between the Profound and the Profane, a comedy podcast where three, sometimes four, but today three, lifelong friends gather in my spare bedroom to trade friendly stories, give friendly advice. Try to learn something new about their friends. And while we're at it, make some new goddamn friends. What's up, new friends? New friends, true believers. Bone whores and... My personal favorite, trash people. Those trash people out there. How you doing, trash people? I don't know any of y'all. You get the fuck out my shit. Joining us this week... I kidnapped him on the side of the road. He held up the most entertaining sign. It was just a picture of a dog. He's the young David Addison of the bonus hours. Don't know who that is. Does he have my dog? <laughs> Bruce Willis in Moonlighting. Bruce Willis in Moonlighting? That's who David Addison was, yeah. Okay. That's the name of the character that Bruce Willis oh, played. Oh, I, was like, yeah, I thought you were saying there was a guy who played Bruce Willis in the movie Mo like that wasn't just actually Bruce Willis. <laughs> it was all CGI. All the way from Team Chaos MTG, John Dodge. Hey! We play video games and drink. <laughs> that is true. And magic. Yeah, yeah, sometimes magic. Occasionally they gather for magic. Game. Also joining me. He's my co-host. You guys know him. He's a pile of movie quotes in a man suit. Chris Warko. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna die today. But that's okay. I'm here, folks. I'm on a lot of cough syrup. I've got some fucking Afrin. Like, all have been there. I can't use it more than three days, and I'm already on two and a half, so... Who knows what the fuck you're getting today. He's just plugged up enough to have swam his way here, everybody. Was that a quote from uh, Moonlighting? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it anymore. My Bruce Willis sounds like Sylvester Seagal right now. <laughs> Sylvester Seagal? Yes. Same guy. Yeah. Yes. Sylvester <laughs> Seagal. You gotta, you gotta take Steven and Sly and fuse them together so he has a stroke, but he can't open his eyes. I mean, they're about the same height, weight, and power level, right? Absolutely. I not. don't know. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone is like five five and. 190 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> on a good day, maybe more like, 
I mean, no, that's not true. If anybody's seen Rambo, he was saying, probably Sylvester Stallone, in that movie. he's pretty he was like yeah. 225, 250. Yeah, he was pretty. I don't know about 250. Dude, he I mean, had no neck. It went like, okay. like Wolverine, and then he killed everybody with a 50 cal. 250 awesome. is like okay. First off, that was awesome. <laughs> Second off, 250 is half. That's almost half of a Seagal. Uh, now Seagal. I mean, now he's got to be broaching close to 500 pounds. Oh, God. I don't even know, Broaching, breaching. And I've never been ready before in my life. Shit host, Chris Myers. Uh, today, we're talking comedy. We're talking sweating the small stuff. And we might talk a little bit about Team Chaos. And you want to hit it first? Uh, sure. Fine. So, uh, <laughs> in my life, I like to do things complicated in the hard way. And it seems to lead to uh, every little detail that I can stress the fuck out about. I seem to do that. So I decided, what are some ways people get over sweating the small stuff? Instead of me babbling on and on and on, I watched a couple different things. I watched a TED Talk. I watched Kevin James's stand-up. It's actually called Sweating the Small Stuff. I watched, I found out through the magic of YouTube that there is a game show called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. <laughs> How old is this game it's show? It's brand new. Live episodes. Like, it comes on YouTube from fucking BBC. It's ridiculous. All right. They all look like little K-pop stars. Does it play <laughs> like a Saw scenario? Like, they have to produce an amount of sweat or their loved ones will never <laughs> see them again? <laughs> I'm here to play a game. Fill up this jar. Or you'll never see him again. Bam, 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 bam. And then the audience pulls out like Girl Scout cookies from under their seats. <laughs> no, no, it was more like, no, um, no, You remember that show? Was it Crank? Not Prank Anchors. What was the the show that used to come on Comedy Central that was the prank TV show? Which which one? The dude that wouldn't, he would always walk around with a big Sugar Happy screaming. TV. Yeah, okay. So kind of like that, but... Hello! The one I'm at the cinema! <laughs> what? Can you hear me? Or I like the one where he's arguing with his supposed girlfriend slash wife, and he gets so upset that blood starts coming out of his ear. It like starts shooting yes. out, and everybody's freaking out. They would also do the snail crossings. Yes. Made in big, big giant big snail, snail costumes. <laughs> so... This was a bunch of people. They had they do team captains, and then they have teams that go to different challenges. And one of them, which is extremely fucking annoying because I'm a server and a bartender, was how many ridiculous questions can you ask the person before they give you your food? Mm. So it was like, how do you how do you grate your Parmesan cheese? Is it grated or chopped? Do you think you could cut all those black olives in half for me? <laughs> Where do you get your pepperonis from? And it was like how far they could go asking ridiculous questions before they gave the food or before they got annoyed and fucked. It was like, just order some goddamn food. Right. I did another one where it was, uh, they were sitting on a park bench with a dog and there was a pile of dog shit. And anybody that walked by, they were like, hi, this isn't my dog and I'm really disgusted by this. Can you help me pick up this dog shit? And then like give them a bag. And so they were seeing like, Haha, ha, sweating the small stuff. They didn't want to have to pick up shit. They wanted to see if they could get somebody else to do it for them. Right. So that was a kind of interesting comedy twist. How I was guess. that a game show exactly? <laughs> it's not. It's just a. It's like. What am I winning? Show. 
Where is the game? It's not a game show. Yeah, it's just a it's just a show. Show. It's just a show. Show. But you might. I didn't watch it to the end. You might win money at the end. If you picked up the dog shit, you win a bag full of dog shit. <laughs> Congratulations. Or uh, I watched Kevin James's awesome stand-up special from like 1973. I think it was his first one, which was actually in like 2001, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> and it's a very valid question. It was from 2003. Why do we... 2003? It was, it was from 2003. It was a 2003-2004 Early 1000s. Uh, why do people still walk through the fucking lines the little rope line when there's nobody in when there's nobody in line oh no I why don't we just whoop yeah no like subconsciously like sometimes I'll think about it and I'll just like fuck this but I've gone through the line and actually like walked through the whole fucking rope to get to the bank teller yeah I mean sometimes it I guess it's uh you know fun you doing like the little one man relay. What do you do? Not because then everybody awkwardly stares at you and they're like, why didn't this motherfucker just walk around? There's nobody in line. Right. But I mean, at the same time, it's a bunch of bank tellers staring at you and they're basically just homunculi. <laughs> Flesh golems. And nobody cares what their opinion is. You hear that, Sharon? You're out of deposit slips. And yeah, you're a bad parent. <laughs> And then the last one I did was an article from the Huffington Post, and it was a PhD by the name of Susan Krauss Whitborn. So the TED Talks guy was more like infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Like he was trying to talk about how it's it would be more relevant to instead of spend $20 million completely redesigning, let's say, medical contracts, which are extremely hard to understand. It's filled with tons of uh, medical jargon that you don't have any fucking do mm-hmm. idea. Spend 500000 and make it legible for fucking clients to read. <laughs> you know, why? There's no reason to go and spend $20 million to try to completely redesign it to make it easier for people to understand when all you have to do is redo the existing medical contract in layman's terms for a fraction of the price. Hmm. Uh, It says, he said that businesses and government suffer from a kind of physics envy where they're wanting to, they want input and change to be proportionate to each other. Yeah, that's never going to Never going to happen. Yeah. And, but that's the dream that they live in. And what, they don't, or what people need to realize on a big scale and small scale, you can apply it to your life, but very, very small things can have hugely disproportionate uh, events that can go on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... So, like, uh, when Time Warner and... Was it Xfinity? What was Xfinity before that? Oh, man. But it was, like, uh... Time Warner and whoever owned Xfinity, the merger. It was supposed to create new jobs and all kinds of st- and it did like the complete opposite of oh, it. Yeah. If yeah. anything, they laid off thousands of people. Was mm-hmm. it Capcom? <clears throat> not, not Capcom. It was Capcom. Comcast. Capcom. Comcast. 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 Capcom versus AT&T 3. Okay, for real though, I would play the fuck out of that <laughs> game. It's just like Mega Man and Dash beating up on some service agent <laughs> that comes to your house two weeks late. <laughs> What did you say my upload speed was? Nah, nah, nah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah! 
Yeah, like that. <laughs> and then on a more, I guess, personal level, I found that the Miss Whitborn, she said that or, an Oregon a University, which is where she did her study out of, found that older men who tend to obsess over little everyday annoyances tend to live shorter lives uh, than those that let stuff roll off of their back. I, I mean, found, I mean, yes, I would say stress in general. That yeah. just makes sense, you know, if you're the kind of person who's stressing over little stuff every day, like, not only does that snowball and start to affect your, your physical health, but, I mean, how much time are you wasting on bullshit yeah. at that point, on thinking right? about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Or, or uh, they said it's not, the, it's not the hassle that does you in, it's the perception of having to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I, I totally get that. I mean, it's yeah. all, it's all, uh, like, in in therapy, and, in like, uh, there's this certain type of therapy that they give to people who are bipolar or borderline personality, where it's all about changing the language in your head. Yeah. Because the way that you perceive yourself and the way that you perceive the world is literally based on the language you use. So when I'm down and I'm, I, I'm making up voices in my head that tell me what a worthless shit I am, how much I'm not working on the podcast, how much I'm not doing this, the entire idea is grabbing a hold of that thought and switching it around. We're like, no, I'm sick right now. I can't work on the... I can't do these things because I'm sick. That little change in language changes my entire outlook and, and my entire perception. And so, like, of course that would help with, like, these small things where it's like, no, it doesn't matter that my coffee cup isn't clean this morning. Like, that, that I have a thousand other coffee cups. There's no reason to, to sweat over that. So just changing... To be fair, I have definitely had a coffee cup moment where I'm like, my fucking coffee cup! Boom! And then you break your favorite coffee yes. cup. And then you're mad that you broke your favorite coffee cup, and it's just you got to find your way out of it. That's where bowls come in handy. <laughs> it's like a reset. It is the it is my etch a sketch. What are you doing? Shaka 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 shaka. I'm okay. But like in that together, my coffee cup. <laughs> in that moment, you have to change the language from my coffee cup to the coffee cup. Right. Uh, you, you you change that ownership, and it's like no, it's not my coffee cup that that's dirty it's the coffee cup that's dirty i just can get another the coffee cup or i can wash my coffee cup it's all about changing that small bit of language i know oh, go ahead oh I was, I was just gonna say uh i think that's something that we could definitely apply just about anywhere you know like like looking at american politics today it's like it's not my country that's broken it is the empirical <laughs> American way of life that has started to fail us. And it's we eroding. Need, we need eroding. to take that back with force. Probably start a coup in some South American countries. I feel like most things could be solved. In South America? By overthrowing oh. a local government, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yes. Hey, yeah. But not in the Clinton way. I'm not going to go and overthrow a it's sovereign good. nation because I, I'm bored. No, you're going to change your perception and you're going to overthrow your sovereign <laughs> nation because you're bored. Right? What are you doing? I'm breaking my system! <laughs> yeah, that's it. Does anybody know what cortisol does? Uh, does it... Uh, is that like you're asking for reference? Or? I'm asking for reference. Oh, right? yeah. You know, the serotonin and dopamine I know affect your brain chemistry, and I think cortisol does too. 
but I don't exactly know what cortisol does. I thought cortisol was a thing they gave you when you were like... You're thinking cortisone. Oh. <laughs> That's the cream for the itches. Yeah, no, supposedly whenever you stress yourself the fuck out, it raises your cortisol levels 10 to 15%, which in turn hires your blood pressure, which leads to stroke and heart attack and all those good things yeah. that crazy people die of all the time. You hear that, kids? Don't smoke cortisone. Not the crazy people, that normal people, that everyday people die of so all the time. I am prone to anger. When you have little things go wrong, would you say you get more upset? Are you more angry? Do you find yourself getting sad? What? what I mean, I absolutely get... Uh, I, I go straight to anger. Uh, that's, I think, typical. Uh, and that comes down to, like, a... Uh, I feel, and I, I think it's pretty much proven, or like you can see that we, and when I say we, I mean us men folk, have been kind of raised to react with anger. Our emotion is anger. We're, we've been taught to react with anger. I learned it because when my dad used to get pissed, he'd throw shit. Like, yeah. that's just where you learn that kind of shit. There was, uh, a, uh, there was a really good article... Um, I want to say it was The Lancet, but I honestly don't remember. It was through a series of links on Forbes talking about how in men, especially American, you know, U.S. men, um, anger is the not only the only emotional response that is expected, but it's the only emotional response that is... Um, widely acceptable in men. Mm -hmm. If you see a man crying, you know, there's something yeah, there. No. It's but like expected. Oh, he's supposed to get angry versus well, why is he over there crying in the corner like this? Right. If you see a grown man throwing a fit like a child, it's okay because he's angry. Yeah. And this is the response that's not only expected, but given as a pass yeah. in men. And then those, those, that, that problem is then exacerbated by my own brain chemistry problems where I do have this weirdly explosive thing. I, for example, the other day, um, uh, Alex has been, uh, the manager has been held up on the couch because of her leg, bad car wreck. I think I had mentioned it on the podcast a, a while ago. Not a terrible car wreck, but, you know, she just a little bit, a little bit hobbled. Uh, so dishes weren't getting done, and that's one of our agreements. I cook, you do the dishes, makes it simple. And she had been getting up a bit, but this one time, she didn't get the goddamn dishes. I pulled her to the side. I said, do the dishes tonight before we go to bed. Did not do the dishes tonight before we go to bed. I wake up. My sink's full of dishes. That's one of my little pet peeves. I didn't get pissed about it. I tried really hard not to get pissed about it. But then, like the dishes aren't cooperating. Like, they're not going in the way that I need them to. Oh, yeah. They're not clean. And that 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 then builds... Eventually, I just grabbed a pot and threw it against the fucking wall and like just stormed outside and have no hit or control over that moment because once it hits that breaking point, my bipolar disorder comes in and it explodes. Uh, so it, my getting around that is more my focus. Uh, like, if I can stop the anger from showing up, then that helps with the throwing things but if it's another emotion i still turn explosive if i start crying over something it hits this point and it goes into like tearing my hair out tantrum crying this is why none of us are allowed to watch toy story 3 <laughs> ever again and why he shaved his head i'm just you Tired know the stress i felt bad for the families of the victims <laughs> <than> all at <laughs> once so it was a little 
further down the line in my thing, but speaking of anger, uh, something that I found very, very interesting as a technique to help you overcome the little things is give yourself a time limit to be mad. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So if give yourself five minutes to just be fucking pissed off, and then after that five minutes, you've got to work yourself out. You're like, look, okay, it's time to get over that shit. Yeah. Or it's time to fix it. If I had a, if the cat peed on the couch, dude, dude, my cat, I want to skin my fucking cat when she pisses on my couch because it then means I have to go buy vinegar, baking soda. I have to buy Dreft baby detergent, which that shit ain't cheap. It's yeah. like fucking $25 for a little ass <laughs> bottle. Is it? Okay, then you have to add hydrogen because it's unscented and it's not dyed. Is that for washing your baby? I don't know what baby detergent is other than just another word for, like, soap. It's got no perfume and, I don't know, it's like a super... Whatever. I'm just imagining somebody dragging a baby across a washboard. Yes. You, like, you put the baby through the roller. (laughs) Just lick her out like Looney Tunes. Do not... Do your babies like old time you laundry, folks. That's just a bonus hours PSA right there. Don't bring out your babies. I mean, but if you do, I mean, you can probably hang them to dry. <laughs> well, like, like, I, like Michael over the balcony? No, no, no like, like on the clothesline. You gotta, oh, okay, I got you. Use the Close wooden pins, though, because the plastic ones will leave dents and that'll just ruin the value They're of not your spring loaded. Right. The plastic ones are just the little, yeah. yeah. The, you know, the wood That's ones actually have that good spring. <laughs> so I would have, I never had thought about because in it's always been anger is bad. That is not the emotion that you're supposed to be, or rage anger. Yeah, is not what you, what I want to fall into. No, and I no, did that a lot not. as a teenager to young adult. Gugliani's. <laughs> Very rage adult. I mean, that was just a that was a pit of anger. Oh, that was that was a it was a pit. <laughs> I will say that every one of us have lost a piece of our soul that still resides in those goddamn walls. <laughs> I think I specifically lost mine uh, either sometime between knocking out the head chef uh, when he walked back into the restaurant drunk. Or gluing the pizza guy's finger back on for him, only for him to glove and rubber band it several times, and then proceed with the making of pizzas, which, I mean, if I didn't want to cry so bad that night, I probably would have vomited. Just glue it on. Just glue it back on. Oh, I mean, I kept asking him, Augustine, can I take you to the hospital? And the Deportivo became the most critical word in this vocabulary that night. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, it was, um... I'm pretty sure I lost my soul doing cocaine at the expo window while we're fucking... Okay, was this before or after it had been turned into microwaved crack, though? Because... No, oh. no, the, the, the microwaved crack was a different different baggie. This was a baggie that I brought myself. Oh, okay. What? I was about to say, it has been over know. ten years, and I do not remember you ever bringing coke. Were you fucking holding out on me? You bastards. I remember fucked up Jenga. With oh, chair, chair, chair Jenga. Chair Jenga, bro. Chair Jenga. 
yeah, I remember turning Greg down on that one. He would Yeah, but there were nights that we were in that bitch at like three in the morning. Well, yeah, because like, we, were we were getting very high in the restaurant <laughs> at three in the morning. It was awesome. Oh, it was so great. Pineapple Express. Pre-party was on top of the roof of Guglianis. So many things were on top of the roof of Guglianis. You still have the Indian, do you not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chief Indian Chief is sitting <laughs> right next to the back door of my house. Fucking hell. He is, uh, he's doing well, <laughs> he's doing I would well. say. He's aging gracefully. Yeah, yeah. Mind free. Some Just some wood coming off lacquer. the back of him. Uh, but you know, you sit in a fucking storage shed behind a restaurant for fifteen years. I think that just happens. <laughs> Called Charlie. Do you remember how we worked out our anger at Guglianis? Like uh, as a group? Sure. When we would fire plates into the wall. Oh, see, I took the back room on Ed. I do remember some plates being thrown. Uh, it's a regular occurrence. <laughs> what happened? Mm, it slipped. Now this spaghetti and meatballs again. <laughs> the specific. Oh, cream of rosa sauce! God damn it. May have we uh, just forewarning in case this needs to be cut, but. I do remember being eternally grateful that the tables in the back had that cheap, like, vinyl throw on them, because uh, being 19 and and given the keys to a restaurant, um, you have a lot of sex in that restaurant after hours, and it was very easy to clean. I have... And this could really get me in trouble. <laughs> I have a really, 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 really good story about. Okay, is this the time you were? boy, Chris. <laughs> oh, wait, behind the behind the restaurant, no, the no, tables no. out back because I. Yeah, that happened there too. But okay. No, no. Right. no, no. This was um. A person that I knew, we had sex and we were really, really drunk. So I blew my load in her. And instead of talking to her like a nice, rational person and coming to the decision that we should probably go by Plan B, I got Plan B all on my own, popped them both out of the package, slammed them on the table and said, you need to take that because you're not having a fucking baby. (laughs) And she threw them over her shoulder and that is where Chris's first child was born. (laughs) She did throw them over her shoulder like salt. No child, though. That's good. But yeah, I was like, oh god damn, I remember that. I was fucking like we still talk about that. Mystery X and I still talk about that story to this day. Like, you remember that time when you I was like, Yeah, no, we're gonna talk about that time. <laughs> She's like, Yeah, but it was really funny. I mean now it's funny. Then it was not funny. <laughs> oh no, then it was it sounds fairly awful. Yeah. It probably yeah. is fairly awful. It is fairly awful. I'll be honest, if a guy blew his load in me and had to be playing B pills, I mean, first off, how did I get here? <laughs> As a heterosexual man, I don't quite understand what's happening, but what? then I would obviously be offended. Also confused as to how oh, the, so confused. the gay man, or, or, you know, maybe hetero, I don't know. Oh, I don't know his orientation. Try. There's a lot of questions to unpack. Seems to believe that I need Plan B. I don't even have the well, I mean, organs to function. The physics, you're like, I was clearly fixed. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> snip, snip, y'all. 
the one upside oh, to wait. finding... Oh, uh, wait. You actually are snipped. Yeah, it's the one upside to finding testicular cancer. You get to talk up, tack on the vasectomy for like 200 bucks. You still got both balls? Yeah. Yeah, it's just All like right. a little tiny... Like the tip of a ballpoint pen just <laughs> hanging on there for no reason. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. If you still got both balls and you got a vasectomy... Oh, yeah. I... Supposedly they're reversible. I mean, if not, they can stick a fucking needle in your testicle. Yeah, it's it's totally reversible. It's just way more expensive to. Did you have your ends burned? Uh, no. So what they did? Um, I knew they snip, and then for the guys, because they can grow back. They you snip cauterize it, the ends, and then they hit it with a little laser on each end, right? <laughs> Sorry. Um, so just picture like Austin Powers, James Bond. I've got you, Mr. Bond. <laughs> no, not my balls. And that's how you defeat James Bond because he can't be a womanizer anymore. You neuter him. I did not know we shared a urologist because that's exactly how it went. He did the voices and everything. (laughs) Well, there you go. At least he wasn't portraying the character Jaws. You may feel a pinch. (laughs) Just gets in there like the fucking cone on the umbilical cord. That really was. I mean, if Dan Aykroyd was ever going to receive an Oscar, it should have been for that role. Some chewing bubblegum? It's actually a con. It's good. When he puts the the spark plug from the uh, lawnmower (laughs) in his mouth and just, you know. Whatever. He just brings it back to life. We're gone. Way off. (laughs) <laughs> I was waiting to see if he wanted to find it again. I was kind of enjoying the talk about Coneheads. Uh, I, you know, underrated film. Underrated. Was Chris Farley the bad boy uh, boyfriend in that? Yes, like yes he, was, he was. He was the mechanic that falls in love with the daughter who probably penetrated him with the cone. The cone. The cone. Well, they did and that. The wreath. Um, the wreath thing. Right. They had the uh, Demolition Man style sex. Where they put he doesn't know about thing. the seashells. <laughs> if anyone out there can explain how the seashells in Demolition Man work, um, there are probably a lot of people on the internet who will pay you to demonstrate for them uh, how exactly you would go about that. I'm sure one's a conch shell. Well, yeah, it was the conch shell and then the flat one. It was like, I thought then, it was just three different sized seashells. Like you have the, it's like a clam. There was like three different clam sizes. Yeah, I thought Big, they were all medium, slightly small. different. But what do you do with the seashells? Scraping. <laughs> Scrape. Pain. You gotta get it in there. Just, but not all the way. To what end? And then maybe they, maybe they have with. a bidet. They never, oh. they never. They do never explain it at any point. Although I feel like there was probably a moment on set. Uh, where at least one extra decided to just well no just like put seashells in all the set bathrooms (laughs) like as a joke right I like when he rocks up to the the ticket machine and he's like cock shit balls fuck see now I got toilet paper that shoots out the ticket every time yes (laughs) that was great although that thermal paper cannot be uh, Uh, it can't be any better than it's not even it's not even toilet paper. It's fucking tissue paper that you wipe your ass with in rest- restaurants. <laughs> tissue paper. Single ply. 
You know how many fucking rats you fucking go to? Okay, penetrate the middle of your asshole? But the receipts, though. Oh, god damn it! <sighs> you can't touch your phone or like this. <laughs> Pull your pants up like this. That's what we need. We need a three seashell app for the phone. You can just spread <laughs> the seashells up on your screen and then. I don't. What do you? Mission one complete. You just drag the seashell. Good job. We'll figure. Yeah, that's it. We'll build a <laughs> gold star. We'll build an app. We'll figure out the logistics of the seashells that way, uh, and then everyone can just wipe their asses with their phones. I like my phone too much. My phone costs a thousand dollars. I don't have another thousand dollars to waste on shitty right. phones. Get yourself another box, man. You'll be fine. Just always bring wet washcloth with you. Everywhere. Everywhere. And then just leave them in the toilet. Never flush. You're that guy. I'll flush my log, but not my wipes. (laughs) That's for you. Just an extended... Why? Because I want you to see the color, the texture. That's the smell. The (laughs) The bouquet. Also, my phone's in there covered in shit. So if you could work that out for me... No, we don't provide gloves. Seeing how as we segued straight into movies, were you talking about comedy today? Ah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we were about to hit that. I wanted to know what you guys think makes great comedy. Like, I know that we all have similar senses of humor, but we all have vastly different senses of humor. And I, I like under what I wanted to understand what other people seem to think makes great humor and great comedy. So I'll I'll just lead off cool. with um, what I think is the best example of timing. <laughs> really? Yes. No. Uh, what I was going to say is you have I think in in a broad spectrum you have two kinds of comedy. I feel like you got way more than two, but yes. Well, you've got topical comedy, mm-hmm. and then you have literally everything else, right? Because if it isn't topical, then it's just a joke, right? I guess so, yeah. Um, Would you call Anchorman topical because it was all about news? No. No, because Anchorman had so little to do with the actual setting of the film. Uh, and even if you say, well, the time period was so important to the movie... Sure, we can go with that, but the 60s portrayed in Anchorman was not the 60s, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Now, if we want to I look don't know. at... I um, <laughs> I was not at those parties. Well, I mean, I can, I can just assume that... Like, I bet Marvin Zindler had some fucking parties back in the day. Oh, for sure. I mean, that with guy... With blue and green and red and purple <laughs> shades? <laughs> that was slime you wanted in your ice oh, machine. All up in my icebox. If anyone gets that joke, I will give you a fucking dollar. That joke is just for our uh, Houston-based listeners. Yeah. Actually, that's not true. People out of state, or not out of state, but out of Houston, other cities, know about slime in the ice machine. I know because I talk to people at the bar. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my God. A lot of people don't even know who this is, but back in when I was a kid, back in my day, <laughs> we had a guy who looked like Colonel Sanders and he wore blue glasses and he always said, slime in the ice machine. Dude's like, I'm from Dallas. I know the fuck you're talking about. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. 
Oh, Marvin Zindler, that guy was just a Texas institution. <laughs> yeah, I'm but sure everybody in Texas knows who Marvin Zindler is. I'm sure they featured Slime in the Ice Machine on other. But oh, you Anchorman, uh, yeah, like you were saying, Anchorman does not, like, it's not topical because it doesn't, like, its humor is not about the 60s or really about the news. Its humor is, look at these funny people saying these funny things. Yeah, it's right. One-liners. Yeah. Yeah, it's just one liner after one liner. Just and open up the Will Ferrell machine and let him just. For my talk. fucking parrot brain, I can definitely appreciate some good one liner comedy. Oh, it's it's perfect for that kind of stuff. Now, it's the perfect quote movie. But yes. at the same time, like you have, you've got your topical comedy, which almost entirely relies on the setting. Uh, in order to get its point across, and those films... Is there a film in particular that's jumping out at you? Um, well, okay, so let's say, um... Trying to think, what was, uh... Uh, let's go Superbad. Superbad feels like kind of a topical comedy in that you're, you're stuck on this high school setting, you've got the trying to lose virginity tropes... Uh, and it feels very 2000s, right? That That is a movie which will probably not age particularly well, especially as things become more progressive in our society. Some of those jokes aren't going to be received as well, I think, I mean, 20 it's, years from now. Shit, it's 10 years old at this point. I wonder. Actually, I haven't seen it yeah, since I it came out. It, it, well, I don't know when it came out. Probably 2008? 2006 to 2007, I'd say. So, so it's probably been at least five years since I've seen it. But then you've got what I think is like... So the, would Super Troopers be topical? Because it's all about them, the antics of a patrol highwayman? I don't know that you would necessarily consider that a topical comedy, because again, that relies more on... Or are we talking more like, thank you for not smoking? So, ooh. Or idiocracy. Uh, idiocracy definitely. Is Thank you for not comedy. smoking. Is definitely it's it's satire. So yeah. it's satire is usually topical. And and those I feel like topical comedies provide you some of the best comedy in the time frame in which they're released. But they're also typically the ones that age the worst. Oh yeah, because it's topical. topical. It's about the yeah. thing that's happening right now. But then you have the most perfect topical comedy of all time being Spies Like Us. Oh, if I've seen that. Uh, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, during the Cold War, they are uh, CIA analysts mm -hmm. who get sent off to, uh, I believe first it's the Middle East, and then to Russia, and they are supposed to be the, um, they're the bait uh, spies, they're the ones that the Russians are supposed to catch in the act so the real spies can actually do the thing. Mm -hmm. And it's an incredibly topical movie. Um, but it also ages so, so well. And I don't think that it is because uh, the movie is so dry. It definitely is a dry film. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of those jokes... Like black comedy? <laughs> like dark comedy? No, just it doesn't have, um, I mean, classic Chevy Chase. You know, none of the jokes should get a laugh track, but they're still just funny. Do you think Chevy could do a movie now? Like, if someone actually wrote a good script for Chevy, do you think his style of comedy would be accepted nowadays? 
I think Or do you think everybody just looks at him how they like I mean if if he really and it sounds like he really is in person how he was on community, which was a big fucking asshole. Oh yeah, Chevy Chase has turned yeah. into just an awful person. But he's always been an awful person. Like he was never this awesome stand up guy. He's always been Chevy. He just got old and became more Chevy. Yeah, oh, yeah. but you used to be I, I think a big part of that like is he, he used to be charming. He just lost the charm. Now well, he's the, just a dick. The charm was mitigated, I think, by the people around him. Well, the, the well, he was also, I mean, for like the seventies, he was like a good-looking guy. In the, 70s. the times he's moved in, on without him. It's the, yes. it's the like the cantankerous comedian is comedian. always going to end up being on the wrong side of history once history moves forward. Uh, if oh, Bill Harley. Hicks, if Bill Hicks was still alive, Bill Hicks would be on Fox News right now. Like, I can agree with like that. that's just the truth of it. Uh, George Carlin's an angry comedian. George Carlin was, was definitely not he, on the wrong side. He was. I mean, I guess progressive. I was about to say, depending on which side you lean to, he's on the wrong side. Would, right. No, uh, Carlin came off and always came off more nihilistic. Yeah, like Carlin never had a side. He's just nihilistic. Uh, that's why he wears black on stage. Is because he he believes that nothing means anything and. We're here for the joke, kind of a right. style of comedy. Uh, so he he ages better than a Bill Hicks because a the things that he's talking about are still happening, and also b George Carlin never said da 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 fucking homos like that wasn't. There was that one joke that was like a da 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 fucking homos, <laughs> but aside from that one, <laughs> he never said ever, not even twice. <laughs> Unless he told the same joke twice in the night. <laughs> Two different venues? Uh, same venue, different different show. Different show, okay. Yeah. It was the six and nine. But in, especially when like your cantankerous comedian is a Bill Hicks where you're railing at the times... Uh, right. eventually the times do change. You do become correct. You know, the times move closer to what you were talking about, but at that point, you're still railing about the same bullshit. And see, I think that's why Spies Like Us has lived up so well, uh, is that it is a seriously topical comedy, but it doesn't require the setting for the jokes to be good. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like the doctor, 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 doctor joke Mm -hmm. that can be done anywhere. It's going to be great. The cheating on the CIA uh, clearance exams or whatever, you can put those jokes in, you know, any similar scenario and they're going to work. At the same time, the movie did a great job of poking fun at the time, mm-hmm. uh, at the, the political climate, you know, in the, the early 80s, late 70s, um, but it doesn't lean on it to the point where the movie can't age. Uh, so I think, you know, when we're talking about what makes comedy funny... I feel the same way about Police Academy. Yeah. Uh, because uh, it's not bogged down with technology. Like, you don't need the phones and the iPads and the advancement. It's not, it doesn't make the film feel dated. But if you, remade, just, if you remade that script... If you said, we're just going to make another Police Academy now, and we're copying the first one verbatim, but we're updating it for the times, yeah, it's the same movie. It's still funny. It fills See, the I, same I don't. Points. I was going to argue the opposite, that uh, actually Police Academy is so of its time, because the comedy stylings are so 80s comedy. Uh, the way that it's structured, 
the, uh, the the characters within it. It's very character comedy heavy. Uh, so, and I guess I meant dated as far as like it's it's fun to go back and rewatch shows like Seinfeld and things like that. But you can see where the technology like if. It's funny for you and I to watch it, but if I was to try to sit Braden down and have him watch it, it would probably all fly over his head. He might not get the jokes, and he might not even like it because it's, there's no technology in it. Well, I'd argue that they don't get the jokes well, because we don't young. show like you know, a they're not they're not supposed to. It is adult humor, but I'm not sure at this point if we show kids comedy that goes over their heads. I mean, I used to watch Married with Children all the time. I'm not sure if we, as a culture now, show kids comedy that goes over their heads the way that, you know, uh, and not even, like, adult comedy married with children, like Looney Tunes, Animaniacs. These cartoons were written with jokes that went over our heads. The, we were, the Muppet Show, even. Muppets Tonight, like, those shows were written for kids, but they were, you know, there were a ton of jokes in there for I adults. Th- I think that's almost any cartoon now. I mean, look at stuff like uh, Amazing World of Gumball. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a There's a lot of kids' shows that know that they have to be able to keep the parents' attention because... You know, are going to have to sit and watch. They're going to have, at the very least, they have to be twenty feet away listening to. Well, see, I think the argument that I'm making is that that, those jokes aren't written for the parents as much as we like to pretend they are. Those jokes are written for the kids because kids need to hear things that are above their pay grade, above their level, in in order to like, like understand it. It's you know, same as like reading books. Years though. Oh yeah, I mean, there's they're not going to understand the joke right there, but it's placing those things in there. It's making you think in a different way. It gives you the O moment when you watch it again. Oh yeah, there is that, but it's oh that's what they meant within the child's brain. It's giving them different avenues of humor and of thinking. Uh, when they're forced to think, when we uh, are forced as kids to think about these things that are loftier kind of ideas, we uh, we then will be able to think about them. You know, you're, you're not going to be able to think, same with the language conversation we were having earlier, you're not going to be able to think of these more uh, sideways jokes until you've been given the language to think of them. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of boosts your vocabulary or... It boosts your, your comedy vocabulary. Yeah, your comedy vocabulary and your avenues of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, I totally lost my train of thought because I jumped on yours. <laughs> I mean, uh, what do you think's important oh, in comedy? Oh, that's, about, that's okay. what I was going to say. Um, a lot of things that I look at, that I notice that I look at, is, or that I find funny, is... Uh, situational scenarios now that I'm older Mm -hmm. I've gone through a lot more different stuff and there's things that appear on TV that are a modified version of what I went through oh yeah yeah and I always I find those things hilarious Uh, sitcoms are you know your your Vegas vacation where you know uh, his wife falls over and she's picking something up, and then a hot chick rides up on the Ferrari mm-hmm. or whatever, and he's like, hey, what's up? You know, he kind of keeps <coughs> his, his wife's head down just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that plays into the very, uh, the egoist, I guess. And you're like, hey, you know, the chick's checking me out, and what's mm-hmm. going on? Uh, and I've had, you know, I've had instances where I've just thought back on some of the stupidest shit that I've fought about in elementary school and middle school. And seeing those same 
scenarios applied in movies, it helps me connect with the movie more. Oh, yeah, I mean, comedy is part relatability, either in scenario or in character. I can see myself as this character, or I have been in this situation before. Therefore, it chips off that a little bit of that relatability. You need that to get humor. That's part of your sauce. You, you also need... Um, after, after you get your relatability, you need a bit of uh, mundanity. You need something so mundane that it couldn't be a thing. Right. And follow that up with a little bit of good to- good timing and the unexpected. Uh, it's subverting the expectation that becomes funny. Do you think... So where you say timing, I think delivery. Yeah, Would you say those go hand in hand, are synonymous with each other, or they're two separate things that well, I mean, are what, cohesive? What do you mean by delivery? By delivery, do you mean like the cadence of my voice and the way yeah, that I, I... Like if you were, even if you had great timing and you were just like this the whole time. I mean, there... When Mitch Hedberg got the way... Let's say there's a guy... Not, not all the time, but sure, sometimes. Uh, Mitch Hedberg had a very... Stephen Wright was also very... Stephen Wright was the best. Even more monotone, actually. Off monotone one-liners one after another and they always landed well they mostly always landed perfectly. but that's where and that's where timing i think comes in more where they, their delivery is uh, the delivery of mitch hedberg is the delivery of kind of a space case stoner <laughs> whoa but that's all in tom in timing like he if he in, in the Dufresne joke, Dufresne, party of three, if you take too long of a pause or <laughs> don't take long enough of a pause, that joke doesn't work. If you've ever heard somebody who doesn't like think about comedy in this way try and repeat a joke to you and fail at it and ruin a joke, you like you kind of understand what I'm saying. We're like, oh. there's just this, there's a comma here that you're not utilizing. It's completely, it's, it has nothing to do with comedy, but I felt that way when we did our uh, Halloween episode. When yeah. we wrote that. Yeah. Like if I felt like the delivery and the timing was just all off, all over the place. Even oh, yeah. though it, it translated good on paper. I, yeah, yeah. It's something that I should have like read 1,200 times, so I really didn't have to look down very much. Because you're like, and then he went to the store. But yeah, it's all about... <laughs> Uh, timing is the, the like, it's the key I guess you could call it like it's the without good timing you got nothing you can write a great joke but without knowing when the punchline is supposed to you know the right amount of time to let it sit to bring that punchline out is uh, like that's it we call that when to slow clap <laughs> so if we're talking about timing and we are talking about delivery um, where did those things intersect and where are they separate? And I think that lies on how many times can the same joke be rewritten before it is a different joke? So I, Or I, not funny. Or just not funny. Yeah, I, I think the, the two prime examples of that, the, the classic example is the aristocrats, mm-hmm. right? Which is... No, 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 the... the oh, that's Aristocats. Yeah. Um, Aristocrats is the famous joke about, uh, I guess it's considered like the greatest joke of all time, about the family of... I think it's the... Trapezo I don't know if it's artists. the greatest joke of all time. It's the <coughs> dirtiest joke of all time. It's definitely considered the dirtiest joke of all time. Right. Um, 
But the 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 key to that Does anybody joke, know that joke? Oh, okay. I sure is fucked up. So, oh god. All right, I can give a terrible rendition of it. Uh, it basically, uh, you've got this circus act, and a uh, guy walks in with his family to the manager's office and says, "Hey, we're a bunch of gymnasts and trapeze artists, and we want a spot in your circus." And he's like, "Okay, well." Let's see what you got. So, There's your setup. To, for, since we're doing that, that's your setup that's to the, the setup. joke. That's always the same. The setup to the Oyster Cats, or Kratz, is always the same. Uh, him saying cats now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's very hard not to. Uh, it's always the same. Circus act, family. And then they start doing their trapeze act and in the process start having uh, scatological and incestuous sex with each other. And you're supposed to just describe all these kind of horrific things that they're doing to each other. And at the end, the circus manager's like, wow, what do you call yourselves? It's the aristocrats, right? And the, the whole idea behind the joke is that every comedian is supposed to give you their own version of it. And it's supposed to be semi-topical, right? But... The, the idea that the joke can be rewritten by every comedian that tells it. They can all put their own spin on it. The punchline is the same, the setup is the same, and the general mode of the joke never really changes, right? Uh, I mean, 20 years ago it was probably much more about the sex stuff, and if we were going to do it now, we could, I don't know, we could say that the family, like, you know, somebody jumps off uh, the, the trapeze line and, I don't know, lobs a bomb into a Planned Parenthood or something. So do they make it funny? See, I don't, I don't think you would, you don't... So this family walks into an office of this uh, circus manager. Okay. And the father walks in and he's, Hi, I, I have this family circus act. My, my, my daughter, two of them, I got a son, he's about 18 now, and my wife. Uh, I think her sister sometimes joins us as well. They all walk in after. Uh, this is our. This is us. We, we we do a circus act, sir. What is your circus act? Well, I'm glad you asked. And he sets up, uh, uh, say, a, a walking wire. Uh, you know, balancing wire. He sets up a trapeze uh, for swinging, and his his wife and her sister begin to go to work, uh, swinging, catching each other. While they're doing that, his daughter drops the pants of his 18-year-old son, his 12-year-old daughter, and begins just violently sucking his cock directly into her mouth. While she's doing this, he grabs his even younger daughter and throws her across the desk, stands above her and begins just dropping just shit onto her chest and pissing all over the manager's office. Uh, it's at this point that the two sisters, the wife and the aunt, climb down and begin uh, violently fisting each other's assholes. Each other at the same time, like a piston. Rock'em sock'em. He grabs a... The, 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 the man grabs a glass ashtray and he smashes it on the desk and begin takes the powdered glass and rubs it underneath the ball sack of his 18-year-old son, smashing it directly into blood, urine, cum, mucus is everywhere. The circus manager 
covered in piss, says, well, what do you call this act? The man says, the aristocrats. And it's always the same. The vehicle is always the same, like he was saying. It's all about, that literally is a joke all about delivery and timing. Uh, without good delivery and good timing, you got nothing. But you can formulate that joke so many different ways. Yeah. That the the like you said, the vehicle is always going to be the same for the joke, and it is all so about. So is it more for shock value than comedy? It, it because to me, none of that was funny. Uh, and maybe it flew right over my head with the aristocrats comment. Watch Bob Saget tell it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch I, a comedian tell if, it. If you want the three best versions of that joke, it's Bob Saget, uh, George Carlin, and Gilbert Gottfried. Those three tell that joke better than anyone. But you can work that joke so that it is always topical, mm-hmm. right? The, the setup is the same, the vehicle is the same, the punchline is the same, but that joke can always be rewritten so that it is topical, yeah. right? And it might be one of those jokes that is not supposed to be fun. You know, like, it's not really going to make you laugh. If you're going into it looking for it to make you laugh, it's not. that's not the purpose of the joke. The purpose of the joke is to... It's a is comedian. It to help, I was like, is it to help a comedian? It's get a comedian's his joke. Down? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a comedian's joke. It's a joke that comedians tell each other. Uh, it's not something you do on stage. It's a. It's you know. It's like a super secret com- comedian's handshake. Uh, and yeah, it is a way for a comedian to figure out their voice and and their timing. You know, I was. I I just did it, and I I was fucking. Gilbert Gottfried for a second. I was Bob Sackett for you know. I'm pulling from comedians that I know yeah. to pull that off uh, because that, that that was very very much not my voice. Very much not the way that I do timing. Uh, that would have been me doing that. That's a lot longer stretched out. Like I, you want a slow burn on, on the aristocrats. Personally, I think the aristocrats needs a slow slow yeah, burn. You're pissed in it does. Yeah, yeah. You have to yeah. You have to work up to the piston and the assholes. Now, on. <laughs> On that note, though, you know, we're talking about what makes comedy great, and I think that's really where the crux of it lies, is you can talk about the most (coughs) important aspect of comedy is your timing, your delivery. Sometimes those are the same thing. Sometimes they're they're different altogether. But, you know, how many times can we rewrite the same joke if we, you know, the, the... idea of police academy came up earlier i really feel like that's a movie that could get remade every 10 or 20 years I mean, look at super troopers i mean i just i'm not sure if watching bumbling police officers accidentally fire guns around is uh funny right now topically speaking it could be <laughs> it so i and i'll stick to the super troopers reference, yeah yeah is we are taking that same vehicle of bumbling police officers, right, who really don't care about what they're doing or maybe even don't know what they're supposed to be doing, and we can make that funny. No one is ever going to make the vehicle behind Weekend at Bernie's funny again. (laughs) That was funny in the 80s. You get one. (laughs) You get two. You got two. You get to, and the second one arguably better, better than the first. Um, 
But that that in and of itself is never going to be rewritten and retooled and be funny again. Coming summer like, coming of 2019. We can do Bernie's A bonus three. hours production. We can do Bernie's 3. We're Bernie's Temple Vacation. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with that. the shoulder shrug. Instead of my ass humping, I'll be like... <laughs> That's how I wake up. <laughs> and then it's all just... Uh, it's, it's all a, a, like a ducktale style temple quest, but with a dead guy. Yeah, we'll get like the the extra large suit coat so we can get our <laughs> arms up on and just do the little flap. <laughs> yeah, no. Only well, wake up for weed. And that you know that movie <laughs> is incredibly <laughs> funny, and they they do hold up relatively well. But you can't remake it. You can't rewrite it, and it still hit those same notes. And I think when we ask what makes great comedy, it's how many times can this joke be rewritten and retold and still get that laugh, right? Yeah, yeah. So it is, you know, if we're going to say that timing or delivery is the most important part of comedy, it's, it is the most important part of making comedy palatable. Of mm-hmm. making the joke actually funny, but I don't think that it's necessarily what makes a great comedy. Oh yes, yes, in and yes. of itself. Uh, so in in the broader sense, like what does make a a great comedy? Like um, what makes Arrested Development a great comedy? I think all three of us are Arrested Development fans here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, did you just as an aside? We are getting a season five. Yeah, what? I mean that was confirmed. They've confirmed that a couple of times. No, I mean recently. That's fine. As long as they don't go back to the same season four style, I'm cool with that. So I hated season four. Season four sucked. From what I've read, is uh, <laughs> season five begins post production late this summer, uh, and they have about the same writers' room as they did for season four. I don't um, care if they have the same writer's role. I just didn't like the independent character episodes. Yeah. I want a fucking... St- a ridiculous, retarded story. That's production that problems, get. though. Well, and I, I think I that blame falls Netflix into... Because that was one of the first Netflix shows. I think that falls into exactly what we're talking about, though, is what is the formula for this particular comedy, and how far can we rewrite said formula before it's a different joke? Okay, what make, so what makes Arrested Development funny? Let's start that. Like, what actually makes that show funny, outside of just saying the writing? The characters. It, In my opinion, the characters are really funny. So the characters are great, but also... The obliviousness the, of the whole thing. The whole show is just a series of... I mean, if we're going to break it down into absolute bare bones, you know, the skeleton of the show, it is one-liners, mm-hmm. slapstick, yeah, and running gags, and the running gags all built on and it, it builds on top of itself. Right, you, you it, start with the whole a one-liner show becomes a running gag. Yeah, you start with a one-liner, like and the then you build a. You build slapstick on top of your one-liner, right. and while the slapstick is happening, you bring the one-liner back. And then you do slapstick again, and you bring the one-liner back, and it just keeps that. And then you bring in a new one-liner, and then you bring that one-liner back when you do. And it, that's how that the entire structure of that show is built. constantly layering itself mm-hmm. so that jokes from season three 
become the punchlines to offhand comments from season one. Yeah, yeah. Right? That it is not... It, I'll say this. It is the perfect example of a show that should be binged. Because it... I don't know if you guys watched Arrested Development when it was on TV. Mm. But if you missed a week... Yeah. You missed... I mean, basically all the jokes for the following episode. Yeah, yeah, no. Because... You know, recaps were vital to that show. And normally, I'm not a big fan. Like, you want to give me a recap between seasons? Awesome. Because, you know what? I don't exactly remember who all got murdered in season one of Santa Clarita Diet. I don't want to rewatch the whole thing. Just give me five minutes, right? It's been a year. But even the recap, like, the recap itself is a meta joke on recaps. Exactly. Uh, or the outros. Like, they'll say things in the outro that don't happen for the entire series, and then one or two times they say something in the outro that happens, but it doesn't happen in the next episode. <laughs> right. On the next episode, Buster loses his hand to a loose seal, and then Buster shows up at the beginning of the next episode without a hand. And then Lucille yeah. takes <laughs> the fake hand. Yeah, no, and that's that's another example of a show that I don't know could be rewritten. It is, you know, the again, the vehicles there, uh, the, the timing and the delivery of the actors, uh, the way the writers put that show together, it definitely stands on its own as one of the best comedies of all time. Speaking um, of comeback shows, do you think Roseanne is going to make it? So, I watched the first episode last night. Um, I'm I'm still on the fence about it. I was not... Did they address anything from season 9, or are they just literally going to tell you it was all a dream? Alright, so... <laughs> season 9 wasn't a dream. Season it was nine. a book she wrote. Uh, right. Okay, yes. And, <laughs> so, like, Dan didn't really... But the whole season 9 was her in the book. Yeah. Not Roseanne. Yeah. But she doesn't even... Season 9 doesn't even start with her writing the book. You don't no. know that there's yeah. a book being written. Yeah. Until the last episode. And in the last episode, she said, like, the whole series had been <coughs> her novel. The whole right. what? The whole series had been her novel. Yeah. And, like, the, the, the last season is kind of pitched as her trying to find ways to end it. And then we got that open-ended uh, final episode where... Maybe Dan survived his heart attack and maybe he didn't. I feel like the remake, uh, not the remake, I guess the season 10, the reboot, whatever you want to call it, it's kind of eschewed. So are they trying to play this as the Roseanne and Dan who were writing the novel, not the character? Does that make sense? So it basically, just assume season nine didn't happen. Yeah. Is kind of where we're at with it. But do they reference anything in seasons one through eight? Oh, yeah. No, it is. Like, I know they have both Beckys in there, and I don't understand that. So only one of the actresses is actually playing Becky. Mm -hmm. uh, the other is playing a new character. Okay. Um, but, I mean, this is, if we just cut season nine uh this is just a direct continuation of the show which i think is what i'm so on the fence about because roseanne herself has has come out uh multiple times over the course of the past uh, i'd say five years whenever she was asked about you know what would the show look like today 
It was always a very bleak answer from her I mean, that Roseanne and Dan would be homeless and at least one of the kids would be dead and another one would be in prison and maybe they got it right with one of them, but who knows? Um, oh, if anybody, DJ, or not DJ, the kid was the serial killer. Oh, he was definitely... Yeah, he, DJ. He, it was yeah, DJ. that was DJ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He fucking, he grew up to be a mass murderer. And I don't yeah, know. or cook meth, one of the two. Yeah. I feel like if someone was going to cook meth, it would have been the blonde. I think the only one that would have survived was Nose Ring with the curly hair. Darla? Darla. Yeah, Darlene. Darlene. I'm sure Darlene would have gone to Brown University and found herself as a lesbian. Yeah, Brown would have, uh, yeah, Dar- Darlene would have just, she would be the one that, yeah. like, makes it. Yeah. Becky fucking definitely didn't make it. She's doing the math. DJ's in prison. <laughs> or dead. And Darlene is the one that fucking made it. Yeah, but but yeah, so I'm... And somehow Roseanne and Dan are still together. It was... ultimate love-hate relationship. Episode one was not bad. Um, I'm not going to give it high marks this early. Above a five? For a singly, singular episode? Alright, so if I'm just judging this one episode... We'll give it a B plus, A minus. I mean, it is super solid television. Is it any longer than an hour? Or is it just the hour? No, it's 30 minutes. minutes. Um, I thought Roseanne was an hour. Sitcoms. 22 minutes, man. Classic sitcoms. Yeah, but, I mean, that 70s show. 22 minutes. I thought that was an hour. No, No, man. No, you watched it in blocks on TBS. It's a 22-minute show. Mm. See, but here's the thing is, I don't was Friends, know... Friends wasn't 22. 22 minutes. No. Yes. Yeah. Friends was an hour. No. no. It, 22 minutes. That's a sitcom. That's how a sitcom is delivered. 22 minutes. That's to account for commercials. Oh, yeah. I'll watch your eight minutes up for commercials. Yeah. I always know that because every anime show that I watch is 22 minutes long. An anime is basically just the sitcoms of the East. <laughs> <laughs> Episode title. Uh, future Chris <laughs> episode title animes are just the sitcoms of the east <laughs> look I'm telling you if anyone here can prove definitively that Scrubs and Dragon Ball Super are different shows you can have my <laughs> life savings alright yeah. because they're not and you're never going to convince me otherwise <laughs> did you stitch your initials in me? yeah that's basically how the freezer song so what are your biggest comedic influences like you know we're not comedians quote unquote but we like making joke like what is your thing Uh, give me I would say growing up my absolute influence was Jim Carrey fucking loved his super eccentric humor his wild ball attitude Uh, I felt like he helped me come out of my shell I was a big performer when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I like Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis was a goddamn gem, and he needs to be protected. <laughs> he is protected. He's very protected. You think? He left Hollywood. He hasn't been in Hollywood for okay, but 18 he, years. He left Hollywood for, like, the saddest fucking reasons. He left and Hollywood for the best reason, to raise his kids. After his wife died. That's sad. And then he became a fucking agoraphobe, which is even sadder. But he plays a mean acoustic guitar, and that's just and glorious. He, for those of you that don't know, he reprised and did a voice cartoon. He did. For a good friend of his. That's the only film appearance he's been in in the last ten years. Yeah. Hmm. yeah he really now that his kids are gem. 
All I think all of his kids are finally grown though. So he, I, I may have read some article somewhere about him coming back. As long as it's another, not another honey, I blow up shit. Again, <laughs> I would take him in spaceballs too. Though. Give me spaceballs too. But what can we rewrite? And this is what I'm concerned with. Rose, with Roseanne is, can this particular vehicle still be? Funny. Topically funny. I mean, does it... My other thing is, does it need to be... Like, we got Roseanne the reboot. It was called Malcolm in the Middle, and it was fucking fantastic. Like... It was. I, I never think my favorite there's show, an argument yeah, there to say that that is a different vehicle, though. It, it, but my thing is, like, do you do we need the Roseanne late? Like, it's the same style of comedy. We're, we're, we're laughing with these... Completely underprivileged and it's lost because we people. Go the same shit. That's why it's so funny. In the like, but they're the same. Very relatable. They're written for the same people. They're yeah. written about about the same people. I mean, uh, Hal and Lois. Lois are you know they're they're Midwest Dan and Roseanne, whereas Dan and Roseanne are a lot more. They Southern. are, but they're also 15 years apart. Oh, yeah. And no. I think that is one of... In age, as far as on-screen couples, or in time frame as when the shows were on? Shows. When, when the shows came okay. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think, mean, that's a good uh, argument right there. 15 years apart, they both did remarkably well. So that style... Yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's my... My argument is that we don't need to reboot something when you can make the same jokes for the same people about the same thing in a different vehicle. That all goes back to stressing the small stuff about spending $500,000 <laughs> to make things better than $5 million. This is a little excerpt from Chris. <laughs> so if, if we're going to say that Malcolm in the Middle and Roseanne are the same Tether. show written for the same audience 15 years apart where has that audience changed what it, what did they gone to now that they're grown up no 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 so mm -hmm. like we're going to take the core you know we'll say just the middle class audience okay. right an even better version of that well no, i guess that's slapstick that doesn't really work i was gonna say brooklyn 99 but mm. so the my point there is that you know, we can make what is essentially the same show for the same people, but we can't rewrite those same jokes. Now, are we only hitting... Are we trying to catch a nostalgia wave and only hitting a very, very demographic with I, Roseanne? I, would, I mean, that's why Roseanne's out again. Yeah, it's I because they're trying the to write the nostalgia wave. Argument, yeah. And my argument is that we shouldn't try to write a write a nostalgia wave. I we should right write, a write a new thing. So I I think on that note, but that's um, where we've been for the past fucking five years. Everything is reboot, reboot, remake, blah blah blah. And and that I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that it has definitely not been done well. Um, but I'm. You know, anytime I see a, a reboot or a remake, I used to get kind of stressed about it, you know, because we're just seeing the same stuff over and over again. Honestly, at this point, I'm totally cool with it. If they want to reboot the Transformers series instead of giving me a ninth sequel with fucking Anthony Hopkins for some reason, <laughs> I, you know, I would, not only am I going to be much happier that we're getting a remake because... This Michael Bay shit just needs to fucking end, 
right? Which is happening, by the way. But I honestly do want to see how many times these same concepts can be rewritten and how often they can stick. But when they're doing something different with it, it's a, it's a different story. I mean, like, RoboCop is a perfect fucking movie. There's no reason to give me Bat-Cop. Like, RoboBat was unnecessary, but just in the, general. At the same time, Dread was a better action movie than Judge Dredd. That's a diff- RoboCop's a perfect movie. Judge Dredd is a terrible movie. Remake terrible movies. Make them better. I want a remake of Theodore Rex. Right now. Get the fuck out. Can it still be Whoopi? Fuck yeah. She yes. has to play the dinosaur this time. She has to play all the characters. Full Eddie Murphy mode. <laughs> oh, jeez. And she's in dino fat suits. That's yeah. It. Or she's dining on Star Trek. The whole time. Three comedic influences, John. Oh, man. Um, Alright, my, my deepest creative and comedic influences... Um, God, this is going to be the most awful list, but I'm trying to be as honest as I can here. Billy Crystal, <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried, and um, we'll say Chris Rock. I, I think that those three comedians all have not necessarily a... a collectively dry sense of humor but they can take any joke and write it for themselves um and i think that that is what makes them great comedians you know the other day i was listening to uh oh who who was it that i was hearing some one of the dry bar comedy Mm -hmm. comedians i think it might have been shane smith uh, if you guys don't know, Dry Bar Comedy is out of Utah. They only do clean stand-up. Um, is it actually a dry bar? No yes. Alcohol? Yes. And they do... I mean, the comedians they have are amazing. And it's not all clean comedians that they host. Yeah. But their shows are only clean comedy. Huh. And it's actually really great to be able... I mean, myself... That definitely will challenge you as a comedian to make an interesting set. Like and it is challenging. Out. And hearing some of these... You know, this one... I, I really want to say it was Shane Smith, but I'm probably wrong on that. He was talking about how you can have these jokes that are quintessentially the same joke told by Richard Pryor or told by Chris Rock. But when you hear it through different comedians, it becomes a different vehicle, or it becomes topical in a different way. Yeah, but then you run the risk of plagiarism. Okay, so perfect example. So you don't want you don't want another Carlos Mencia or Jane Cook. You don't. But Richard Pryor and Chris Rock both told the Get Out joke, the joke that the movie Get Out was based on, uh-huh. which is if you have. A horror movie centered around a black character, the movie is going to be eight minutes long, right? Nobody is backing into a dark basement in that movie. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, that was one of the things that made Get Out such an amazing fucking film. Uh, But it also... I like to get out the same way I liked Tusk. uh, (laughs) In my opinion. Yeah, I still haven't seen Tusk, to be honest with you. Horror 
but it was funny to me. Oh, Get Out had some great. Get Out was really great funny. comedic. Like some moments. some parts were really 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 funny, and I guess that's what you get for a, a comedian writing a horror movie. You oh. get really funny parts, and I know that he was really upset that he got labeled into the comedic category for that movie, well, which I can completely understand. But that's also the just the way the Academy works, is if you don't fit into the dramatic categories, it doesn't matter what genre Yeah, but then they did put are. him in the horror category, and he won. They, well, they put... He won the Academy They put him in the, uh, in the film category. Yeah. They didn't stick him in horror, they just... Well, horror still doesn't have its own awards. No, they don't have any of their own no. awards. That's why they always get shoehorned into... The comedy. Comedy is the lowest form of art. Horror is below that, according to the Academy. Yeah. They're wrong. <laughs> They're deadly wrong. The problem is, is you don't have people making... In my approach and opinion and views of movies when you're talking horror movies, I would say 80% of the horror movies really fucking suck. 95% of movies really fucking suck. Yeah. True. So, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, they are there's not better. many people who are going in and weaving this amazing, complex, captivating story that also gives you thrills, jumps, scares. It's Most people are like, well, let's just make Scare Factor movies. Insidious, one, two, three. Bleh. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Paranormal, one, two, three, four, five. Bleh. Insidious was actually a pretty good series. I mean, uh, the first two were, and now there's a three and a four. Which were both actually pretty good. Uh, I mean, they were. you could tell the quality was going down and they were running out of ideas. I don't know. The fourth one, if you haven't seen it, it brings the whole series full circle. And it does it in a really interesting way. Um, and I, I mean, it might not be the best of the series, but I'll say it was way better than the third and honestly probably even better than the second or side side movies like what was it, it was haunting in connecticut which spawned off annabelle mm-hmm. yeah sucked <laughs> god that what and, and there's an annabelle 2 coming I, I, right? I, I don't know i hope yeah not. is there yeah, yeah i want to say like there that. is a confirmed sequel for that so like but movies like green room like, I thought Green Moon was great. Green it had Green a story. Fantastic. Patrick Stewart, who you don't ever really see play an evil guy, oh, was man. calm, calculating, the scary as fuck, yeah. but in the most, like, businessman kind of way. You know what I mean? I don't know. It was very engaging. And there was parts that, hell, we talk about all the time, spoiler alert, when fucking Anton gets his hand cut off, kind of. Yeah. Like, that shit was like, oh, my fucking God. Like, the whole movie, the story, everything was gripping, captivating. I was, like, in it to win it. I was definitely engaged in that movie. That horror movie should have made it into the Academy. Mm -hmm. Or at least as a nominee. But I don't see Saw 6 being in, you know. But there's no reason horror shouldn't have its own. And there's no reason that comedy shouldn't. And comedy has not always had its own category. Like, it's not been that long that comedy's had its own category within the Academy. Years. Yeah, it's like, about as long as we've piece. all been alive, like, comedy has had its own category because the Academy doesn't respect comedy as a thing. It's not high art. I'll give that one to Billy Crystal. Just, I mean, he came up earlier, 
And I'll, I'll say Billy Crystal is probably half the reason that the Academy even developed comedic nominations. Yeah. The only one that super sticks out on my mind, and I love both of them. I haven't watched them in probably 20 years, but City Slickers. Uh, another series where I feel like too. the second film was better than the first one. I haven't seen The second seen one was definitely not the better search. than the first one. But in a long time. I don't know, man. What's The Search? That's it. City the Slickers like, oh, 2, that, The Search the for search. Curly's Gold. Yeah, no, it was... <laughs> Are you Curly? Man, that ain't... That ain't gold. That's just a... That's just a trade box full of lead that we spay painting gold. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And remember... You're my number one... It's a great character. It's a great goddamn movie. Really were. Billy Crystal is good in both of them. Billy Crystal was just good in everything. I mean, he's got that whole—he's got that old like thing still going. Like somehow he's still a vaudevillian, you know? Like I haven't seen Billy Crystal in anything in years. Oh yeah. Um, no, he still he still does a good bit of stuff. Uh, he's much heavier on the writing than the performance. I'll tell you who's yeah, done yeah. a great job about changing his style and staying in the spotlight. Uh, Bill Murray. Yeah, yeah. Bill Murray fell into the uh, indie film scene so hard. With, but isn't Bill uh, Murray also one of those guys who like wasn't actually a comedian comedian he just kind of fell I mean are we only comedy? talking about comedians who transition? No, 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 no. But I mean great shows from Groundhog's Day to Caddyshack 1 and 2 Scrooged. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a really good one and more recent uh, his cameo in Zombieland was fantastic. Uh, what was the <laughs> one where he's the camp counselor? Not meatballs, because those are garbage movies. No, no, I don't. Camp counselor. Mm-mm. It doesn't ring a bell. I the only thing I'm thinking is Caddyshack, where I'm watching him run around at the Gilligan. No, all right, I'm gonna Google it real quick. Because but I mean, he did like then he did dark comedy with the Royal Tenenbaums. You know? Yeah, all I the mean, Wes Anderson movies. All the Wes Anderson movies, uh, which are basically just the same fucking movie uh, over what and was over the, again. The Aquatic Life of Doctor Steve Zissou, or something. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Right. Yeah. The Grand Budapest Hotel in Water. Right. Yeah. They're all the same movie. <laughs> Let's not give Wes Anderson more credit than he deserves here. And, but all the, that, all the, char- all the like characters. Like this is where it comes. Anderson all movies. the characters and the actual story is different. He's got the same vehicle. It's all about like uh, always... dude who's sad about his mom and or dad dying or leaving, uh, smoking Bill Murray, looking wistfully off into the sunset. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the formula for a Wes <laughs> Anderson movie. You take siblings who love each other but don't get along. Yeah. One of them falls in love with an immigrant. <laughs> Things don't work out with the family. There's almost always a heist or robbery yeah. or something that doesn't go according to plan. And then at the end, everyone has, you know, a quirky good time, usually centered around the relationship that wasn't supposed to work out working out and the siblings that were arguing, reconciling their differences because love is greater than anything else. Edgar Wright, we will print that for you and send it. We want a million dollars each. That's Wes Anderson. Uh, Yeah, we're talking about Wes Anderson. But that in and of itself could bring us back to the conversation we were having earlier. Like, how many times can you rewrap, repackage... It was meatballs. Reboot, resell the same thing. And I think Wes Anderson has resold that same package a million times and done it fucking fairly well. Oh, no, and that's, that's where... 
my whole point about what makes comedy great uh, rests its crux on is we are going, how many times can we take this same vehicle and the same setup and the same punchline and rewrite them without telling a different joke, right? And that I think that's what makes Billy Crystal and George Carlin and uh, Chris Rock and all those guys such great comedians is that they, they don't have to retell another comedian's joke but they can rewrite their own jokes, they can rewrite someone else's jokes, they can find what it is about a piece of comedy that makes it great without having to rely entirely on the topical aspect of the joke. You know, those are the guys who can tell you, these are the movies that we can remake, and these are the movies that we can rewrite, and these are the movies that just need to be a different movie. Right? I don't know. I feel like if you were going to do that and you were quirky to the idea that they have the ability to retool old, old jokes, to me that's just falling into a slip of plagiarism, which wiped out a bunch of comics in the early to mid-2000s. No, I, I don't to think where, so. I, I, if feel the, like now, I, I would be okay if they set up with, hey... This person told it this way, and I've got this way to do it. Well, and they, like, distinct, like, hey, this isn't my joke. Like, I heard a joke like this from said character and made my own joke based off that joke. I would right. I would appreciate that more so, than someone being like, yeah, no, this is mine. In, it's all mine. I'm my idea. In terms of comedy itself, um, I mean, how many different jokes are there? Yeah. Right? Like how, how many how many Seth Rogen movies tell the same joke in a different format? Mm-hmm. Right, but I, it's all Seth Rogen. Also, the mm. fucking Dane Cook joke you're talking about—he stole from Louis C.K. It's a joke about having an itchy asshole. Yeah. Like that episode of Louis was perfect. Was great. Was yeah, absolutely. Perfect. That was their makeup. You know, that's how they made up. He but the idea, but the idea that he stole a joke about an itchy asshole is kind of silly in and of itself. We all have a joke about an itchy asshole. It's going because to sound very similar asshole. to a guy who also has a joke about an itchy asshole. It's not the same as a Carlos Mencia like I'm taking jokes from people like Bobby Lee who are like way below him on the comedy rung. And not only that, but but taking those jokes verbatim yeah. was the problem. Any comedian is going... You write enough jokes, eventually you're going to rewrite someone else's joke, right? But you rewrote it. You took you it, steal it, you word for word. updated it, you made it work topically for the time that you're in. You you know, there is... And that's one of the things that gives the aristocrats that kind of title of, like, greatest joke ever among comedians. It's that this is how you have to approach the medium. Yeah. If you can't rewrite this joke and make it funny when you deliver it, then you're just not good at comedy. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean... There are, look at action movies. How many action movies are the hero's journey? And how many of them are still really fucking good movies? Right? 
Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't matter that the vehicle is the same. It's everything that the vehicle is built around. It's the stuff you put in the vehicle. It's right. The but drivers. It's again, the, those aren't the movies that make it to the Academy. Yeah, I mean, those are the movies. The Academy. Those <laughs> are the movies. Well, those are not the movies that are recognized. Let's put it. Those are just we quote unquote summer blockbusters. Okay, reasonably though, the pianist is a pile of fucking garbage. Yeah, like the fucking. When's the what's the last Academy Award winning movie that you remember or give a shit about? Let's discount this last uh, award season because it just happened and then actually. Water and get out taking home a collective thirteen fucking Oscars. Yeah, yeah. Like, we are definitely seeing a shift. But you go back over the last 20, 30 years of the Academy, and every year there is a movie that gets an Oscar that shouldn't, but it has to because that actor got snubbed for the role that should have gotten them an Oscar the year before. Perfect example, Revenant. Le- yeah, Leo. Perfect example. Yeah, he should have gotten it for got anything it for else. Revenant. He got it for Revenant, but he should have gotten it the year before for Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which and has Hardy got Wolf of Wall Street did not get it because something else took their fucking Emmy or Oscar because the year before they didn't get it, and that's kind of the the train that we are finally starting to see leave the station. Yeah, I feel like. Um, but yeah, I, I I just feel like the whole the whole core of that idea that we can't you know we are bridging the gap between plagiarism and homage is uh well fuck movies the past 10 years have been homages they've all been remakes an Uh, homage and a remake are two very different things yeah no i i don't think you can compare those uh so best example i can think of right now is wet hot american summer Mm -hmm. uh it, it is, for the most part, the original cast, right? It is the original cast. I think they, they added a few people, right? But it's the original cast and writers back. Right. Yeah. And essentially, we're rewriting the same jokes that they told the first time yeah. around, but we're doing it in a way that is open for the newer audience that's not familiar with the original. We're also carrying over the same story as the original, and we're not retelling the same joke. I mean, they are the same jokes, but they're not verbatim. They're just the same characters. Oh, no, no, I mean the jokes themselves. Like, the the punchlines, you know, so many of those uh, character relationships. I've noticed that even though they're the same jokes, it's a different character telling those jokes. So, like, if it was all... Paul Rudd, is that mm-hmm. man? If it was all Paul Rudd's jokes, it would like shift to the chick making fun of him, telling those jokes about him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. We've taken the vehicle and we've rewritten it and we have made it. It's still topical. It's still funny. It's still great comedy. I guess you could say that it's recycled. Yeah. Right? But it's not just being reused. And I think that's what makes, you know, if we're, if we're talking about just the question of what makes great comedy, that's it. How many times can we rewrite the same joke and it still be funny without becoming a new joke? Huh. Right? And that kind of goes back to Spies Like Us. I think that that's one of those movies that 
it is super, super topical. But you don't have to be a Cold War kid or a baby boomer to get it. Well, they I mean, would just yeah, adjust no. the war. I fucking... No, I mean, rewatch. if you showed that movie to your kids right now, I would say they would laugh at 90% of those jokes, even though they have so little, if any, frame of reference for them. They are written, delivered, and timed so well that you almost don't need it. And, well, I mean, that's uh, how I feel about all the old Eddie Murphy movies that were before my time. Coming uh, to America, Golden Child, those were fucking hilarious to me. And I didn't watch them until... I almost feel 15, like 16. Golden Child exists in its own sort of creative space outside... Big Little China. I mean, I, I love those movies. Oh, yeah, those are, those are great. Uh, Big Trouble might be a little harder to grok um, just because it does contain so many underhanded Action topical movie, references movie. There's a lot of you know yeah um but i mean going to coming to america that's another one of those movies you could probably rewrite that movie for any period and it could still be funny golden child golden child to me is like the one eddie murphy film that didn't actually star eddie murphy and, and not not as an that. actor, but you—if you read the script it wasn't of that film for Eddie Murphy, that's not an Eddie Murphy movie. Yeah, right. In in the grand scheme of like what makes an Eddie Murphy movie, Golden Child's not it. He just happened to be in that movie, and it turned out really well. <laughs> but I, I don't think it exists in the same creative space. It almost has like its own separate little bubble. That it rests in, um, so I, I just don't know that that can be put in the same uh, the same bucket as the rest of the comedies that we've talked about. I think if you were going to rewrite the Golden Child now, it probably just turns into an action movie with yeah, some probably. jokes in with it. The Rock, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's exactly how that would come out. Yeah, or it, it turns out to be uh, Bulletproof Monk Part 2. Yeah. Also yep. a really good movie that's no. way underrated. No. Yeah. No, I mean, no, my I, most... Uh, my, my, my most Young Fat would be... Timeless and, uh, like, I guess, biggest comedic influences are terrible, or just as terrible as yours, because it's fucking goofy cartoons still hit me, like, in that, like, oh, this is how Slapstick is built. Uh, especially the how-to episodes. The dog? Yeah, goof, goofy cartoons, yeah. Uh, especially the how-to episodes, like the how to play football, where Goofy exists in a world of all Goofy clones, and they just murder oh, yeah, each yeah, other yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. constantly. Or uh, I just watched one before you guys got here, the uh, Goofy quit smoking. Uh, if you've ever smoked and or tried to quit smoking, this will hit you so hard. It's just six minutes of lovable Goofy getting just angry that he can't have a cigarette uh which is funny in and of itself because we realize goofy is this like whoop nothing wrong here kind of uh, uh naive uh character but he is also this weirdly like angry and violent slapstick character uh, i love that subversion of him uh bugs bunny is would be next in line that smart alekiness uh the writing within that show uh, I carry with me now, and Conan O'Brien. 
specifically when he was writing for SNL in the 90s. Like, or Simpsons? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I didn't watch Simpsons, so it's SNL for me. Like, 90s SNL is my Simpsons. Uh, See, I well, might I also say that I got a little bad. bit from David Hyde Pierce in uh, Frasier. Niles yeah, and Frasier. Yeah. I'm very... Like, I have a lot from Niles and Frasier in the way that I tell jokes. So, I, if there were just a chance to sit in on any writer's room in history... That's the one I want to be in. Frasier? I want to know how many of these jokes are funny because of the punchline, and how many of these jokes are funny because who the fuck thinks this joke is actually humorous? <laughs> like, how detached from the rest of society do you have to be to laugh at the difference between a 77 and a 79 Bordeaux? Right? Like, what? Well, that's, I mean, that that's why the joke is for, but can you know, we be sure? The joke isn't that uh, that Niles thinks it's funny that you can't tell the difference. The joke is that Niles thinks it's funny. Like, like I, I just, I, see, I can't believe you can't tell yeah. the difference between a seventy-seven and a seventy-nine. Some of those jokes have so <laughs> many layers. Yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's not a, just they're like an ogres. Onion. Huh? They're like ogres. They have layers. That's not what I thought you said. But <laughs> yeah. What did you think I said? Uh, hookers. They're, they're like hookers. They have layers. But you just have to Stab peel the stabbed. layers away uh, and then become a serial killer. If you, if, you peel, if you peel the layers of a hooker away, you will find Blood the smiling the face of Julia Roberts underneath. Are you talking about from that movie, Pretty Woman, where she... Um, Kidnaps Richard Gere? Right, and he's a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a good movie. Tell me about Team Chaos MTG, John. Oh, man. Team Chaos. Uh, so we play some Magic the Gathering, and we produce YouTube content about it. Uh, we play a lot of other video games as well. Uh, because Just did a 24-hour stream, yeah. Oh, yeah, we did a 24-hour stream. We, we focus primarily on, on Magic. Myself, I mostly play Limited Online, and... When the limited format is bad, I turn on my Switch. So, uh, been playing a lot of Switch games lately. Uh, we also do... Can we um, watch you stream? Oh yeah, absolutely. Twitch.tv slash TeamChaosMTG. You can also find us at TeamChaosMTG on YouTube. Um, we're the one with an actual banner. That says oh yes, Team they're... Chaos <laughs> So there's two other Team Chaos MTGs on YouTube. Neither of them have uploaded a video in over three years. Yeah, yeah. And I don't see a reason to ask them to take it down. Yeah. You know, like I said, we're the Unless one... Unless they start riding on your coattails if you get big. Right. But we're the one with the banner, so, like, you can definitely, you know, tell who, which one is... Oh, which yeah. Right. And as you, as you start uploading more videos more regularly and they're being watched it'll bump you up into yeah. <laughs> they so, won't be around anymore as fun as it would be to you know spend a thousand dollars on a cease and desist letter from my lawyer don't <laughs> need to worry about that right now probably not two thousand dollars for two letters oh god <laughs> just copy and paste <laughs> the same email and then he would sue me <laughs> i didn't send this to him priority oh what do you mean priority? It's an email. <laughs> so it should be the most priority, the top priority. Yeah, there was like seven stamps I had to cram in the floppy disk tray. 
Uh, load the 3.5 with stamps. Insert into drive. Wait. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we should go back to floppy disks as a society. I, I think mean, that would... yeah. It might save the entire planet. Look, if everybody had to go back to spending like an hour and a half per track they want to illegally download, I just feel like the world would be a better place. God, what was that? LimeWire? LimeWire. LimeWire. Napster. Fucking downloading yeah, viruses Napster into was. our computers. Oh, you're literally just giving your computer aids willingly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you want to die, 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 die? <laughs> Dude, me and my brother used to sit. We download those uh, the boosters, mm-hmm. the speed boosters. Yeah. And it would go from like one point four to like three, and you're like, oh shit! We're trying to download a YouTube video that's like four minutes long. <laughs> yeah, sure. And it turns out that the the speed booster you downloaded literally just breaked all of your background programs. So yep. like, yeah, you download music twice as fast. But also, not on a computer anymore. <laughs> what happened? I just started stealing CDs. Yeah. What are those? Kids, CDs are things that we used to listen to when we were younger. They put all of the songs on only, what was it, like 12 songs? Sometimes you get 18. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. So they're real short tracks, like intros and outros, like, hey, what the fuck's up? Song two starts. God, do you guys remember hidden tracks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like... Two minutes of silence at the end of the last song on the record, and then you get a thing, yeah. Yeah, and you can never really download them? No, because they're part of the track 18. Yeah, you have to download 18 to get the last one, or the fucking nine minutes or whatever. How far the world has come. I mean, you know. Look, if, if it was the 90s and someone wanted to illegally download this show, how many days do you think it would take over a dial-up connection? Because my first memory... <laughs> Alright, so check. This is a real specific memory okay. for y'all. Okay. It's 8th grade. Okay? Oh, man. Right? It's 1999. Were you partying? Uh, no, it wasn't 1999. What, what year was it? Uh, uh, I guess 8th it was grade 2000- would have been 2001. 2000, 2001. Um... I've, I've got my first old. laptop. I've got a dial-up connection. I just spent like six hours downloading Napster. Right? <sighs> and you would. You'd have to go to school and that bitch would run all day long. Lip Biscuits, My <laughs> Way or the Highway had just released. <laughs> and I was so impressed that it only took an hour and a half <laughs> to download a three and a half minute song. I can't, I mean, it was like the first time you masturbated and you weren't just punching yourself awkwardly in the taint, like you actually figured out what you're supposed to be doing with it, right? It was like that kind of Oh, you mean the first time that you figured out that you're not supposed to be humping pillows, you're like actually supposed to make a jerk off motion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it was just ecstatic. Thank you, scrambled porn. (laughs) Oh, man. What is that? I don't know, but he's doing like this. I think, but his hand's way over here, so I don't know what the fuck's going on. There's <laughs> definitely a woman somewhere on that screen. You watch the nipple go... <laughs> float, like, all the way... Yeah. Like, what is going on? I don't know. That's a titty. Uh, but yeah, so, I don't know. Uh, Team Chaos, we just... We play some games. We do some stuff. We talk about things. Uh, usually things. gaming. <laughs> I mean... Uh, the whole channel revolves around gaming as a whole. Uh, it is centered on Magic the Gathering, but, you know, that's not all we do. I want 
I want the channel to be uh, fairly representative of my life. I guess and I feel like we're living in this age where, you know, we're we're past the dawn or the the height of the reality TV era. Yeah, yeah. And now we're in this creator mode, and I think the more, at least the way I'm going into it or have been approaching it is, the more of the things that I do, the more of my life that can be broadcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. The happier I am. And then the things that don't broadcast well, I can just, you know, keep those uh, more centralized to my private life. It's the after hours. See, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to find a, find that balance between, like, when am I wearing my... Per- like, do I need to put on a performer's mask? Where am I Chris the host? Or am I Chris? Where am I Chris the person? And do... is You know, I the audience is, is slowly growing out there. And when do I need to pull the mask off? Like, do I need to? Uh, because I am, like, as an artist, quote-unquote, as a creator, like, I am very uh, raw. I am very, like, uh, like this is, this is, like, my pain. This is my happiness. Uh, but that the comes out a lot into our mainstream fame when paparazzi are snapping <laughs> pictures of us then we can be complete dicks because that comes out a lot more uh, in actual writing and not in these moments like in these moments I'm having conversations I'm definitely being hosty uh, and, and so there is this thing like what needs to be broadcast and what needs to be private and uh, where do I find that balance do I need that balance? Right. How how much of a cam girl do you want to be? I mean, we're whoring ourselves out here, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for for my <laughs> <laughs> he does that so quick, and you pulled it off like a girl. Okay, but I couldn't one hand it. You stopped, and that's the problem I have in here because I was really look. Someone said if I showed up, there <laughs> we go. I was gonna get to see nips, and that's. The only reason I came here this morning. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry for solar flaring the camera with my white-ass body. That's cool, man. Uh, but no, I, so, you know, if I'm... The rules I've set for myself, if I'm playing a video game, I'm doing it on stream. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I'm... If I'm in a, a space where I'm doing something and my inner monologue actually starts monologuing, I need to turn on a camera or a microphone. Um, and if something doesn't work, then, you know, fuck the audience. They don't need to see it anyway. I can take any of the other stuff I do and I can scrap it or I can put it up as a Patreon exclusive. Or, you know, I, someone could steal it from my personal collection and use it to blackmail me, and that's fine, too. And, Todd, I'll get you your fucking money. Just leave my goddamn family alone. And, uh, we love you, audience. He doesn't mean that. Except for Todd. Except for Todd. Except for Todd. I want my kids back. <laughs> I lied. Have? I don't uh, I don't even know whose kids those were, honestly, all right? I don't give a fuck. Hey, anybody think... They have a random out there somewhere? A random... Oh, a oh, child? Um, I mean, I've wondered, but I don't know. I mean... I'm... So, I actually... I've literally never worn a condom in my life. Kids! Wear, wear condoms! condoms. <laughs> just, just do that. So, so this was something that came up There's on... some seafoam spermicide shit. <laughs> Sprinkle on your dick before you burn her. I mean, fuck her. 
Because that shit hurts. Don't do that. <laughs> Look, like even if you don't have world. crabs, hit it with the shampoo. All right, because you can never be too clean. Um, no, so there was uh, one of the the Facebook groups I'm in. Uh, there was a very serious discussion about you know how many sexual partners have, have we all had in our lifetimes, and um, I feel very lucky that uh, I'm I'm not gonna go over the number that I came up with because it's kind of sickening and embarrassing. Um, Closer than you think. No, uh... 1,762. Okay, I wasn't going to give the number, John, but... But looking looking back at it, I feel very lucky that there are only a handful, I think it was like four or five people that I've slept with in my life who I do not still remain in contact with. So the odds of me having a random... Or so, you know, there's, yeah, there's five people that, and you know what, we can really just bury it down to three people, because two of the five I don't talk to anymore, I definitely spoke with and, and hung out with in the year after we, yeah. you know, we last uh, had sex, so as, if that's an actual question we're asking, I mean... You know, there's a very slim margin that I've got a, a kid out there somewhere. And uh, if you're out there, son, Todd said he wouldn't hurt you <laughs> as long as Daddy got him the money. And Daddy doesn't care. So, good luck, slugger. I, uh... If you get 5,000 likes, you can beat your dad. I'll see you in hell, is what this ends up as. Because we are not hitting 5,000 likes. Uh, 7,860? Guess it's time. Uh, you know what? We can fix it in post. If we get 10,000 likes, you get to meet your parents. I have a son. I lost him before I remember. Todd, um, if you're out there, I mean, please. yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I pray no. <laughs> well, okay, nobody but wants that. Now, here's, here's the question to you: Out of all of your sexual partners, how many have you actually just not remained in contact with? Most of them. Is that including like the necessary pregnancy time period? I mean, like you have sex with somebody, and then you know there is like no chance that you would have gotten the message that they were pregnant hmm. at any point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess I've never really calculated it. Like, if there is the chance, it's like that there's there's probably like one person that it could be a chance of. You know, it's one of those things. Right. Uh, uh, most likely. Because, <laughs> see, I think I've stayed in contact. No, I've only stayed in contact with maybe the three people that I've had sex with. I'm living with one. <laughs> The other one I say hey to every now and then. Two of them I say hey to every now and then. And one of them was like a long-term relationship. And like, yeah, no, never had a kid yeah. with her. Long-term relationship, so I know that. Uh, and been in contact with her. Yeah, yeah so the, I, don't know, I guess just the odds of like having a secret kid out there, they're just so much lower than I think a lot of us actually worry about. I guess so. You know, if you knocked up, let's say you knocked up X. I just feel like we didn't have the... I mean, I'm, I'm not proud of it. I've had some, some good one-night stands in my day. Right. And there are... 
this, you know, we weren't on Facebook and MySpace, and I can't even fucking tell you their names. I have no clue. Yeah. yeah like, they no, would I'm, have to, hey, you remember me? No. Yeah. Don't. Not at all. I saw one at Walmart, like, three weeks after the encounter, and she was like, hey, do you remember me? And I was like, your face? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> High five. All right, got to go shopping. Bye. I mean, yeah, we, uh, those randos at fucking fair. I've I've ran into (laughs) at least one or two just rando at fair who I've literally never seen again. And I have sometimes panic attacks. Like, oh, man, I just know this is the year that bitch is going to walk up to me and be like, don't I remember you? By the way, also, (laughs) have you seen me? I, 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 I wasn't doing a female's voice. Uh, I actually slept with an ostrich. Uh, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she um, saw an adorable video of an emu playing with a German Shepherd. They were best buddies. Did you, you said guys ostrich. see that video of the two monkeys driving the little battery <laughs> Yes, I did see that. With the pig in the back. <laughs> they like, make sure he's okay. After. Oh, God. What a time to be alive, y'all. What did you guys learn today? What did we learn today? Yeah, what did you learn today, John? Uh, I learned that uh, my comedic influences are much different than I had any reasonable expectation of. Uh, I also learned that Todd should find out whose kids <laughs> he's taking before he grabs them. And you're sending the notes to the wrong place. Okay, he's not getting any ransom notes. Yeah, I don't even read Reader's Digest, so like those cutouts make no sense to me. What about I, you, Chris? I enjoyed our, our comedy topic today. It was it was nice. It was uh, it was a chance to explore different avenues of comedy. Yeah, yeah. And kind of seeing where everybody comes from and their comedy gears. And I didn't finish my last two, so my absolute cheese team would be Jim Carrey, Will Ferrell, and probably Will Smith. I watched a lot. Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He's very animated. Yeah, 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 yeah. He likes to do shit, so that falls right in line with Jim Carrey. And Will Ferrell is probably the ultimate one liner, in my opinion. What's he's got great, great one liners. What was the Will Smith movie where he's like living in a bathroom with his kid? Oh, God. A pursuit, the of pursuit of Happiness? God, that was a funny movie. <laughs> uh, if I had to go just stand up uh, or something in those lines, it would probably be uh, fucking. Oh, Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg is right up there for me. Um, uh, I liked John Mulaney currently. John uh, current comedians. Great. John Mulaney's and Brian Regan. If you ever want to hear mm. how to structure a clean joke, Brian Regan is fantastic at it. Yeah. Mike, uh, Mike Berbiglia also really Mike good. Mike is good. Uh, really cool. Any of y'all know Bruce Bruce? Yo, love Dude, Bruce Bruce. I love Bruce Bruce was one of my favorite fucking comedians. Bruce Bruce is good at it. My favorite, favorite joke that he would ever tell was his fire truck one. And he was like, my mom, she used to tell me before we go to the store, don't you ask me for nothing. Oh. <laughs> and then I come in and I'm like, mom, can I go look at the toys? She's like, yeah, but you know. And I go look at the toys and I see this big ass red fire truck. My dad walks by and he goes, hey, boy. I'm like, hey, daddy. He goes, you find something you like? He's like, yeah. He's like, why are you whispering? His mama said, when he come in here, don't you ask me for nothing. And he said, damn, dog, now you trying to get us both in trouble. <laughs> uh, or his encounter with OJ. My name's Bruce Bruce. It's not 
big bros is not fat bros. OJ was like, what's up, fat bros? I was like, what's up, killer? <laughs> and I, uh, I, I learned that uh, comedy is not only, I guess, in the eye of the beholder, in the eye of the laugher, but it's also, uh, like, I don't think that comedy should be timeless, I guess, in the way that we were talking about. Like, comedy should have certain... Especially, shouldn't have should have limits. Like there should be a time when it's like, oh, this joke is dead. Hooray, the joke is dead. Now, when you say that, do you think you, as the person who is allowing that joke to die, you will always be able to watch that movie and find the humor in that dead joke? But for the next generation, that's a dead joke. Like they won't understand that. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. even know if jokes die. Sometimes they do just need to be rewritten. The number one theme of this whole comedy is, can you rewrite a joke and still make it fun? Are you allowed to? I think that's that's a completely different topic. Like, that's a whole nother episode, I think. Like, can you rewrite comedy and, like, have it last in, in certain ways? I don't know. I think you have to. I think that comes back to... Part two. You know, the, well, the same idea that, you know, every adventure or action story is either the hero's journey or the whatever, or the whatever. You only have so many actual stories you mm -hmm. can tell. I think that kind of applies to comedy as well. You know, like, if we're going to break things down to their bare, barest bones, how many different jokes are there. I mean, yeah, in the end, it's, you know, it, it, I think we said... You have five, five jokes that you must create the entire comedy structure around. Well, it, it's there's five probably. originals. There probably yeah. is just yeah. about... Actually, there's three. Guy falls down, <laughs> guy slips on banana and falls down. Like... <laughs> Guy always falls down, basically. Is what I mean... <laughs> yeah. Method of fall. How does that happen? One joke. Guy falls. Is it downstairs? Banana peel? Off a window. I mean, if you go back and rewatch Life of Brian, it's just two hours of people falling over in different <laughs> costumes. <sighs> Any last words? Oh, yeah. Make sure you check us out on the Bonus Hours on Facebook. And do we have it between the profile and the profile on Facebook, or is it just Bonus Hours? No, it's just the Bonus Hours on bonus Facebook. Hours. Uh, you can also check us out at... At the bonus hours on Twitter, we're on twitch.tv slash the bonus hours network, bonushours.com, where you can find this show every Monday, as well as bonus hours on YouTube. And if you like my homie and his wonderful words of ecstatic wisdom, check him out on Twitter with Pockets of Crime. It's Pockets of Crime. That's it. Uh, Team Chaos MTG on Twitch, on YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, all that cool stuff coming up. Uh, here in Texas, specifically, we will be at Mana Slam. We'll be at GP Seattle next month. I mean, if there's a major Magic tournament, we're probably going to be there. Um, I don't know. As Lots far of good as, things to look forward to. As far as last words, I probably oh. not in the face. I'd like to have an open casket funeral. <laughs> I don't just fucking dump my body anywhere. I really don't give a shit. <laughs> Don't sweat the small stuff and keep laughing. That's right. And good night, everyone! Good night. I love you. That was actually two hours. Woo! Just because Ian's not here. You gotta woo. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>
The Bonus Hours is a collective of friends who not only are trying their best to be creative constantly, but to inspire others to be creative. We make podcasts, we make comedy, we make films, um, we write articles, um, we do just about everything that we possibly can. Uh, vlogs on YouTube. So if you enjoy uh, what you just heard, could you please uh, support us? And you can support us by subscribing on iTunes, uh, giving us a five-star rating, uh, as well as a written review there on iTunes. Uh, you can further help us by sharing all of the episodes, uh, all of the content that you enjoy uh, uh, on social media. Uh, it would also be a big help if you just told people uh, what you like about the show, about the things that we write, about the things that we say, and... Uh, yeah, that, that'll be it. Just if you enjoy what you hear, uh, please uh, do what you can to support us. And right now, the best thing that you can do to support us is to get the word out. Thank you very much, and hope you enjoy the next. Between the Profound and the Profane is a proud member of the No Phony Podcast Network. The No Phony Podcast Network found on found at nophonynetwork.com, where you can find such great shows as Release the Clowns uh, and the MC Variety Hour. For this and other shows quite like it, please check out our website, thebonushours.com. The anime is basically just the sitcoms of the East. <laughs> <laughs>